Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So guys, I am so, so excited for this episode. This is one of those episodes where clients have probably been bugging me for about a year to get this extremely enthusiastic lady on, and I'm so happy to get Trisha Lewis on. Trisha is Trisha's Transformations on Instagram. Uh, I've came across Trisha from her amazing Late Late uh, Show appearance what was that, 2018 I think it was, and in February 2018, Trisha weighed about 26 stone and since embarked on her own journey has lost about eight stone. She's a chef and what we're here to talk about is her own journey, but we're also here to talk about her number one selling book, Two Weeks at the Top, Trisha Transformations, Beat the Bulge and Still Indulge, which includes amazing recipes and her incredible story. Trisha, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much. I was going to kind of go, oh, what an introduction. I'm I'm blown away, but I love him. I'm like, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the ego, the ego gets stroked a little bit. People are always like, oh, so shy, but I'm like, go on, keep going. <laughs> How are we keeping in this weird and wonderful time that we live in? Absolutely flying it. Um, I'm actually, I'm, I'm flying it, I'm loving it in a weird way. I hated it at the start, this whole lockdown, but then eventually I was like, my Lord, my time is so precious. It's a, it's incredible. Like, and like you're you're probably busier now doing the the chats, all the podcasts and stuff like that with with the, with the book. Do you know what? It's actually lovely. Like I love my job, so I'm the executive head chef of Jacobs on the Mall, and it's I love my job. But it's sometimes it was like living a double life that I was like, oh my god, like how how am I going to get these podcasts done? Like I remember even when I recorded the one with Brian and Paul in January, I drove up at six in the morning. I was back in Cork for two to run a fully booked service. I was like. So sometimes, so that's the only advantage. I'm looking forward to going back, but I'm enjoying kind of doing the podcast and the chats with people and just having a bit of a laugh. It, 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 like it, it is. It's kind of a good way for you to kind of like unwind and then, just, as you said, have a chat, have a cup of coffee while you're having a chat as well, which is great. So Trisha, for anyone who isn't aware of your story slash transformation, I'm going to let you take over the microphone. I'm going to have a cup of tea while you're having a chat. Imagine. <laughs> um, okay, so my own name is Trisha Lewis. I'm 32 and I'm the executive head chef at Jacobs on the Mall. I run the Instagram account Trisha's Transformation and my highest weight in the scales was 27 stone 1 and I'm delighted to say that I'm 18 stone 10 right now. So I'm only, I'm kind of halfway there so I think that's a little bit of the confusion with people. They're like, what's happening? I'm like, this is a journey. Jump on board. Let's have the crack. So I set up the Instagram page when I was a month into my journey, I'd say, and I actually kind of backfired a small bit on me. I set it up because I didn't want to put it on Facebook because I knew too many people on it, and I was like, no, it'll just be too embarrassing, like, the lads in college will see it, etc. So what I was going to do was set up this private Instagram page, and, you know, when, I, when it was all done with, I would say, well, lads, haha, I documented everything, go over there and have a look at it. So I think by the first night I was at like a thousand followers. I was like, oh crap, all the people from Facebook are here. So I just kind of rolled with the punches and that's why I'm sitting here chatting to you. It's, it's been the weirdest, most wonderful kind of journey. Like weight was always the biggest problem in my life when actually now it's like the biggest gift ever. I'm like, woohoo, let's go and lose another pound. It's, it's an incredible journey. Like as I said, I, I've, I've followed you since the late, late uh, show that you were on. How did that whole thing come about and the reaction? We were talking off air about the reaction. How did the whole thing come about? It was insane. So I put it on my bucket list. Like very quickly into my journey, I kind of knew that I was after I was after figuring out 
it was going to work for me. And I remember I said it to my mum and my aunt, and I was like, see that coach there, lads? I was like, I'm going to sit in that coach, and I'm going to tell my story. And I remember mum said laughing, and she was like, well, like, if anyone is going to do it, it'll be uterus. And I was like, perfect. So then about... It was in January, and I it was actually randomly through my own pri- my own personal Facebook page, a messenger request popped in, and I was out of my sister's house, and I was like, oh my god, is this a joke? And it was the producer from the Late Late, and I, like I nearly threw my sister off the wall. I was so happy, like we were screaming. Like I remember our husband ran in, and he was like, what's wrong? I was like, oh god, we on the Late Late, but it was to be part of the audience, and they were like, look, what we'll do is we'd love to have a chat with you, and it was an operation kind of transformation time. And that's where a lot of people thought I was on the show because I think the name and it all coincided. I was like, God, it's like conspiracy theory. I was like, I have nothing to do with it. Um, so then they were like, we'll have a chat with you on Monday. So the lady had rang me on Monday and we were chatting away. And she was like, right, if we were in the audience, we'll ask you a question. How are you getting on? We'll give you a bit of airtime. So I suppose I started chatting to her then and about 40 minutes later, she was like, look, there's a little bit more to your story than I thought. I love your attitude towards it. It's very different and it's really refreshing. So by that Wednesday, I still wasn't too sure. Was I in the audience? Was I on the couch? So on Wednesday, then they rang and they were like, would you do us one favor? Will you open up the show? And I was like, yes, 100%. But can you make sure there's no one else with me on the couch? And it wasn't really to be glory or anything, but I was just afraid that I would say something wrong or, you know, someone that had more knowledge on it. Was, and, I, and they were like, no, 100%. So that was grand on the next morning. Like, And I remember we raced to Cork. We were trying to find dresses. And I was like oh my God, all these people are just normally in designer. So I couldn't find a dress that passed the sit test. I was like, oh, I can't cross, I, I still can't cross my legs properly because my stomach is in the way. But I remember then I was just like, do you know what, fuck it. I have a Dunn Stores jumpsuit that I have in the wardrobe and that's what I wore. So we went up to Dublin and we just had the best crack ever. It was the best night easy of my life because I remember I was all scared and when I went in, I was like, Ryan, is there any way you'd um like Ryan as if he's my buddy the man is going to give me a restraining <laughs> Name order drop there, I'm like oh Mr. <laughs> Hi Ryan what's up with there I think he's going to bear me if I've ever seen him but he's so lovely like if you ever meet him he's just the nicest person for a man who's never suffered with weight I felt like he understood every part of my story and then I remember backstage I was like will you just make sure the camera kind of takes me from the top up and he was like yeah yeah no matter but why and I was like well I just don't want people to see the side profile of my stomach and he was like Thought you were much smarter than that. He was like, that's your USP. He's like, that's what makes you beautiful right now. So he's like, you should own it or just you're not going to succeed. And from that moment, that's why the Late Late Show wasn't the amount of followers I got from it, etc. It was the first time in my life I actually accepted I had a stomach and it was mine. You know, and, and I had to love it. He was going to be there for a while. So it was just incredible. And then we did the interview. And I remember before we went out, he was like, do you want to go freestyle or do you want to go scripted? And I was like, go on we go freestyle. I was like, you will never let a nobody on this couch again. So we were laughing, went on stage. They played the song Change Your Life and I just went out. And like the, the interview flew. I was gutted when it was over. And I just, I spoke honestly. I told him what it was like, but I also told him it was good as well. And you know, the things that had happened to me and we had such a laugh. And then I got a standing ovation and it was just, it was surreal. So after that, I suppose it was like a snowball loads of people come over to the account and they're all like woohoo I remember I remember the standing ovation because it's very rare that someone gets a standing ovation but as we spoke about off air it was literally the rawness of your experience and the no bullshit approach to what you said because I think everyone struggles with body image in some shape or form and it doesn't matter if you are 
say 27 26 stone or you are 11 12 stone there's something about your body that you may not necessarily wish to have like you may have something wrong you want the thigh gap or you want bigger chest or you want a bigger bum or whatever it may be and what you've said you've you said it from a rawness point of view but broke it down so eloquently that everyone could understand and everyone could resonate with and I think that's why I was drawn into it because I definitely took a more empathetic approach to clients after watching that because I necessarily I've gone from the the very skinny stage I haven't yeah. necessarily gone from the heavier stage. I've gone the other way up. Yeah. But to, to understand the headspace from some of my clients, they may not be comfortable discussing certain things. But from what you explained, it was like, right, okay, so this is how they want to see it and blah, blah, blah. And that was that's what I thank you for, for being so raw and so open on that from a, pra- from a protect- practitioner point of view. I think another thing that drew in drew me into your story was the videos on the airplane i think i would i'm not gonna lie i was nearly crying when that when the 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 newer one came up when you compared the two that was just amazing um what was the difference what what was the time difference between the two yeah and just i'm gonna run back one thing there when you said like that's the part that i love about this journey is someone at eight stone and wants to lose seven pounds. You only hear someone going, actually, there's nothing wrong with you. You're fine. But every single one of us go through the day where you need to change or want to improve yourself or something. So that's what I love about this is that I'm trying to pro- to say that just because you're obese doesn't mean you're the only one that suffers. Everybody has their own dilemmas. And seven pounds on you is the very seven, same seven pounds on me. It's the same feeling, same mass and everything. And someone that wants to get bigger versus someone that wants to get smaller they're the same battles and that's what I love when people come towards my page are like look no disrespect but I want to gain some weight and I'm like go for a girl like if that's what you want to do at the end of the day it's whatever makes you happy so that's what I love but the airplane was unreal so the difference in those was three years so with 17 years the last time I seatbelt fitted was on a school tour to Switzerland and then I remember after that it just stopped and I kind of got very good at hiding it and I brought a seatbelt extension online so when you when the video you're talking about I took a video randomly when I was going from Rome to Italy and two people had moved seats and I remember I took a video and it was on Snapchat and I'd screenshot it going you know two people had moved because of this shit and I was taking a video of my stomach and I was so upset but I didn't tell anyone or share that video and then when I found it like a few years later I was like oh my god this is magic so when I when the seatbelt clicked going to Spain that time that was the first time I'd heard the click in 17 years it was just I'll never forget that moment like I got off the plane and I was absolutely high on gin I was like give me another double and at one stage I was like can I go up and talk to the pilot they were like no sit down <laughs> like the whole plane just started randomly cheering I think it just felt the vibes because I have a load of those videos where I was whatever flight I got on I was like will you just take a video because it might fit this time so that was an organic reaction out of me so it wasn't staged or anything I didn't know was it going to fit so it was just the most magical moment it's it's an incredible video you can see the the emotion on your face as well when that when it does click and you can see the reaction on the plane it's it's incredible like everyone has as different low points in their journey it doesn't matter what it is if whether it's a corporate one or a weight loss one or a physique one or whatever it is or a family one uh, as well they also they also come into effect especially what's going on at the minute what was your kind of lowest point and how did your kind of your kind of inner circle as a Brian Brian Keane term will come in there. Um, 
play play a massive part because you have a big family. I do. I have eight sisters, so there is loads of us. Like we're just running around the base, like remnants. So what are you saying? When was a low point in this journey, or was it before I started? Before you started. Okay, so I have eight sisters. None of them have suffered with obesity. Thank God. I'd say my mother couldn't deal with another one of us. I'd be like, sorry about that, ma'am. Um, but we have we have a huge family, but we're also like I'm not just saying it for the sake of the podcast. We adore one each other. Like we're like up on top of each other. We I. They're my best friends in the entire world. We kill each other, but I love them so much. Um, and I remember, so December of 2017, I suppose they've always been very worried, but I think if anyone's listening, you've got weight, you lash out at the ones you love, and you know you assume they don't care about you, and you assume that they're living their life. And like I'd see a picture on Instagram of all four of them in these beautiful dresses in a pub with their gin and tonics, and it was just that snapshot, and I would be like, fuck's sake, like they've forgotten about me. But now I found out that they would, once that photo was taken, like sometimes they were drunk and they were crying and they were like, what do we do about her? And the most of their nights out was them chatting at a table going, what can we do for Trish? And we wish she was here and stuff like that. So in December of 2017, my sister Maura had baby boy twins and something had happened with the naps. They'd gone wrong and mom was like, look, keep them a blow until they're calm and normal and then bring them up, let them sleep on. And in other words, don't be bringing your crazy ass kids up here. So I was like, I'll drop the Christmas dinner down to them. And my sister and Marie myself got into the car and we got into dad's car because my car with a big, big family was blocked in. And I got stuck behind the steering wheel, like jammed. I couldn't reach the pedal. It was squealing and couldn't turn. And I was so embarrassing. So I eventually had to admit defeat after a load of attempts of trying to get the car out the gate. And my sister, Emery, who was like a couple of months pregnant at the time, had to come around and tug me from the car. And it was so embarrassing. Like it was just... It was awful. And I remember just looking at her and I was like, will you do me one favour? Will you not tell the girls? And she was like, yeah, I promise I won't, but we will be talking about this. I'm really worried. And I was like, yeah, no matter, just please don't tell the girls. Now, I found out afterwards that she had said to the girls because she went in crying and was like, oh my God, lads, what are we going to do? This is really serious. Like, and it wasn't that they'd pussyfooted around it for years or anything. They were coming hard at me with years and they were going, gently, they tried every approach they could possibly think of but they were at the stage where they were like right let's just catch her when she falls here now because she is going to fall she can't continue on like this so then in january um annie had an unexpected scan so a little bit of a problem had happened with the bump and she rang me and i was like right i'll bring it to cork straight away and it was on a sunday so it was totally random this wasn't a planned or anything and we went up and they checked her bump straight away all was fine so we went in to see the scan and i was like listen i'm after sitting here for six hours in cmh i want to see that baby just as much as you do let's go in so i've never had kids and it was that moment and it's such a cliche but i remember like i didn't say it at the time or anything but i remember my whole world collapsed i was like oh my god what have i done because when i heard his little heartbeat i wouldn't tour i am the boldest aunt you'll ever meet i when they say fuck i think it's the funniest thing in the world like it's just like i riled them up hand them back and i'm like not my problem you know but they adore me and i got so sad because i was like Oh, God, he's never going to know the Trish the rest of them knew. He's never going to know what it's like to pile on me like a big sandwich. I'm never going to chase him. I didn't even know I was a buyer girl, and it broke my heart. Now, I randomly took a video of the scan, so I know the moment my whole journey changed. I can hear the heartbeat. Whenever I kind of get a little bit away in my journey, I listen to the heartbeat, and I'm like, what did you do this for? It's for him. So then we went out to CMH, and we, we signed up on a, 
an online diet she started getting very upset she was like i can't enjoy my pregnancy i can't eat i can't sleep i'm terrified you're going to do something to yourself or you're going to die can you just what can we do to help so i was crying so in cmh they signed up signed us up to this online diet that i knew was never going to work it was this it was a ridiculous plan like i knew for me like one of the suggested exercises was pull-ups and that they gave me a link for argus to buy the the implement. I couldn't put my foot up in a fucking chair, Shane. I'd have pulled the house down if I stuck pepper in the door for him. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. realistically, I was like, so I, I like I wasn't stupid either. I was just like, this is not going to work. So back and forth, two weeks passed, and then Marie texts me on the fifth of February, and she was like, look, I'm not asking you anything else, but I'm just asking you to try. So I'm not asking you to lose weight, but will you swear on the, the baby's bump that you'll try? It's the first Monday of February. And then I just texted her back and I said, no, I couldn't. I took ownership. I said, I've gained weight. I've done all this. I I can't do this anymore. And I'm so sorry. I've left everyone down and just continue on. And I will be fine. But thank you and stop worrying about me. And that was the moment when I took full ownership that I was giving up, that I had done it. I had gained the weight. I, I had left the family down. I'm so sorry. And within an hour, I was standing in front of the gym when I joined the gym. That's... And I was bawling. I was like, help me. I was so dramatic. I was like, oh my God. But it was terrifying. It's, I think what you've said there as well, like from experience and working with people as well, sometimes people's families are, hearts are in the right place and they want to see the best for their family. They want to see, like, we're family. Everyone bickers. Everyone gets, like, yeah, yeah everyone just kills each other, especially during lockdown. But you've got through it. But, how did you kind of cope yourself when people were trying to say to you and trying to help you? Like you put up the shield. Yeah. Like it's it's a big thing. And I think a lot of people are trying to get that at the minute potentially because they're looking at social media all the time. They're seeing people jumping around the living room all the time, getting this kind of like, I should be doing more mentality. Yeah. How did you kind of get away from that whole... I, I have to I have to do it for me rather than for them if you know what I mean because that is a big thing that a lot of people do struggle with yeah and I think the old saying you can bring a horse to water but you can't make a drink like if you're doing it for somebody else or a date or a wedding or a whatever it could be it'll never work and that's just from my experience like I this wasn't my first attempt at a gym at a diet I'd done everything you can possibly think of I think in total but what I can remember, the amount of weight I'd lost and gained was actually at 30 stone. So I'd lose like four stone, gain six, lose three, gain two. So it was just yo-yo diets the whole time. I think that I finally, I suppose I found a why, and I know it's such a cliche, but I kind of held on to the fact that Emery was going to have a baby in 19 weeks and that, you know, I'd sworn the bump's life. I think the reason it worked for me and I didn't do it for my family this time is because sadly I didn't, I knew there was no future whether I was going to do something silly or it was going to take me or I was going to go to a stroke. So I felt like I felt nearly backed against the wall a little bit, which is not great for somebody who wants to lose two stone. They're like, right, I just need to lose two stone. What's the answer? Um, but the answer is you have to do it for yourself and you have to have no end game. Like there's no, none of this. I'm done in six weeks, six months, six years. This is forever. You have to keep doing it forever and ever. And you have to pick your joy. If, you, if you're if you miserable and you're really fucking miserable and you can't fit into pences, at the end of the day, your family will just move on anyway. Just what do you want? And if you want it and it's achievable, then do it. Just go out that gap and don't apologize to no one and go and change your whole world. 
I think so many people are caught up in the whole thing of looking like a failure to everyone out there as well. And I think a lot of people get kind of like almost paralysis by analysis. They come up with every under, every excuse under the sun that they won't go and either try to get fitter or try to lose weight or try to put on muscle or even try to run one or two K because they're a fear of looking like a failure to someone else out there. Yeah. And I think what you've done is that you, I don't know, knowingly or not, but you've almost used social media as your kick up the hole. Yeah. And the fact that you've yep. you've documented it, and what a couple of my clients have started doing it. I can I know Pauls have done it as well, and I I I, I had I hadn't thought of it before as a way for someone to document their own journey, and yeah. it definitely helps them stay accountable, but also helps them to understand that they aren't that their problem isn't their only problem. Like your problem isn't unique to you, and that's the biggest thing I've realized. Um, but like you've spoken about the low times. Obviously, we all have low times. How do you talk yourself out about the days that you don't want to do anything, the days that you are really, really low and don't want to do anything and then pick yourself back up? And they still do come because a lot of people are like, how do you stay so on the whole time? But obviously, I'm not going to come on Instagram story bawling my eyes out because no one wants to watch that. Instagram is about escapism and getting as much value. Whereas if I'm like, now obviously something awful happened, I'm like, this person was mean to me. I'm like, go Transformers, kill up. <laughs> but you know, I'm not going to show the, but like I often come on afterwards and go, right, this is what I did because sometimes you can get a little bit flustered because the worst, the best and worst thing about social media is the constant advice you get. So sometimes if I come on and I am flustered and I'm like, oh, then people will tell you 17,000 different ways to change it, which is just coming from the goodness of their hearts. But then I'm just like, nah, fuck it. I couldn't care. I can't do this. So I just always, what I do is, I keep repeating to myself, I know how good my body is meant to feel and this is not it. So, and then I just reset and I know it seems like such a, like a silly, like a random kind of word that I copped on with, but you know, we kick ourselves and we have a bad lunch, but that doesn't give us the right to ruin our dinner. Do you know? So I just reset. So when I find that things are going very bad now and I'm after two bottles of wine and I'm like, right, I, I think I'm going to start drinking Coca-Cola for the crack. Just acting the absolute maggot because I might have skipped breakfast. I think that's what happens. We kind of go a bit mad. And you're like, well, I'm after messing up now on Monday. I'll start next Monday. No, you start right away. And that's what I do. So I call myself out. I reset as soon as I possibly can. And a lot of people are like, how do you fucking reset? By just starting from the start. Right, water. Fill up your water bottle. Start drinking your water bottle. What shit have you inside in the fridge? Dump it into the bin. Because I'd be very strict on that. A lot of people are like, oh, but it costs money. But I'm like, it also costs money to buy bigger clothes. Choose your suffering a small bit here now. And get rid of it. I I just completely go mad for like three hours. It's like you only clean your room. And you blitz everything. You're like, right, this is it back in order. Because I think failure, people are afraid of it. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen where you're going to go on a night out. You're going to have six beautiful pints of Coors Light. You're going to have a big bag of chips. And there's nothing wrong with that. But why do you kick yourself the next day? It's because we're taught to do that. We're taught that failure is a bad thing. Failure is not. Like, when your scales go up, that's just feedback. It's grand. Move on. There's no point punishing yourself. So that's what I would do straight away. When the low points come, I kind of go, right, I've been here before. How did I get out of it in the past? Food, exercise, sleep, water. That's what I do. And I just go around and like a baby and I'm like taking baby steps and I'm like, good time for my water you know and and until it becomes a habit again 
Yeah, I think what you've exactly what I, I I've I've heard the the press the reset button, but it is so simple. Like if you've potentially had one of those, I hate the word good or bad food, but if you had a less nutritious meal, and then try to win the next one, is is yeah. try to win the next one. Get your get your sleep in order. Press reset. Go again, or else even if you know you're, when whenever the pubs open up again, whenever that is. Uh, but if, if you're if you're going out for a kebab or whatever it is after a night out potentially have your food ready for the next day so that's all set for you or else book in a lunch with the girls and something like that or ha- go for like smashed avocado on toast seems to be the big yeah. the big thing that's kind of going on at the minute uh, and that's also just identify your me- your mishaps before it happens and I find it much easier I'm like alright so now I feel like you know that I'm like you know if you're going to do something just fucking own it as well like, and there's a lot of shoulda woulda coulda and god I messed that up you didn't you just lived just get everybody just needs to because I think with diet culture and stuff you're taught that things are negative and they're not like a Snickers ice cream is the nicest thing you'll ever have so enjoy the fucker do you know instead of being like oh I'm such a failure this one needs chicken and broccoli but that's not you stop comparing yourself to somebody else and if you need to stay on track by sometimes going a bit mad well then do it 100% I think you, you learn more about yourself during the lower days I think 100% because I know I've the last two days I was like why am I feeling all like blur and I was like I haven't slept properly I've been on my phone till like 9 or 10 o'clock at night and I've been taking other people's problems onto my head and I was like right I turned my phone off yesterday at 6pm and it was I'm a new man today I have so much energy going to train with the with my clients later on doing a class and I, I feel incredible it's some but I, I knew what the trigger was, but yet we fall back into all those old habits. But if you can put one foot in front of the other and kind of like, if you're thinking about a football score and winning on aggregate, if you're winning majority of the time, then then you're going to be winning. You're, we're, we're all going to fail in some sort of shape or form, whether it's not showing up to the gym or talking to yourself negatively. But I've started using what, what Doc Amen talks about and what Sinead Hagerty talks about is the ants thing which is anti-negative thoughts and you, you start to think about it but so, so many people think it's too wishy-washy in that they're they don't really want to become one of these they think if they do this they're going to become the buddha yeah and that's not going to happen I, and i suppose i'm a bit like that as well because sometimes i kind of defend what i say i'm like oh look i'll be hugging a tree next there's nothing wrong with that either like as in you can take little bits of things and just put them into your toolbox without being like, right, I have to do ends now, so now I have to go along and I have to drink kombucha, no offense, Brankine. <laughs> but you know, like you can take little bits, you don't have to, you can make them your own. And that ends thing is unbelievable. When I first heard it from Sinead, I was like, oh yeah, legend. I was like, I get it. It's so good. Because when you nip it, you can cop it coming in way more, you're like, get back out. It's so good. And I think it's so, it's, it's, it's really, really good for people who are on a, any journey, if they're doing like weight loss or progress pictures or some of like that. And a lot of people struggle with kind of what they see in the mirror and in photos. Yeah. And one of the things I'm working on with a couple of the girls at the minute is that they are trying to take the pictures and a lot of them would struggle from taking pictures from when they were a kid. What I what we're trying to work on is, right, I'm going to take this picture so that my kids won't necessarily feel this way when they're older and try yeah. to have that emotional attachment to something. Because we're not going to, we're not, it's almost like a leverage or a trigger, as Paul Moore will talk about. He always talks yeah. about this leverage. If you think about what's the worst situation that's going to happen if you don't do something, I know it's as yeah. morbid as hell, but it can help. If you, if I said to you that if I would know, I would, I don't know, push you or I don't know, something would happen to a member of your family if you didn't finish the 5K, I guarantee you'd finish the 5K. 
and then I'd kick the shit out of you for threatening me. Exactly. So I'd so be like, what are you doing? So why it's a win-win for Trish. <laughs> yeah, why freak me out? But yeah, I think you touched on the phone and a lot of people, it's the worst thing. In the, like, follow me on Instagram, watch my stories and then put, the, put it away because it, is, it was, I don't know, Adrian Allen, he put it up in his story the other day that I know, yeah. having your phone in the bedroom is like leaving 20,000 people into a room. And it's so true. You cannot switch off if you're watching your phone at night. And it's the worst habit. Like, I wake up like searching for a soother, being like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? So now I got rid of my phone. That's a bit my favorite thing of lockdown is I've got my sleep back. And if anyone is struggling with sleep, definitely get rid of the phone out of the bedroom. It's the best thing ever. It is 100%. I've left it. In, I've started leaving it in the office and like leave it in charge in the office. And I just feel so much better waking up in my own time in the morning rather than having the alarm. And people are like, oh, my alarm's on my, um, my phone. Get an alarm clock. <laughs> stop coming up with these walls stop coming up with these fucking excuses um, yeah. it's it, it, like the the weight stigma and it, it it is out there there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on at the minute with stigma and racism and weight and, and everything like that at the minute and one of the things you talk about is the dieting culture and what you have tried previously how did like how did you kind of move away from that like what was kind of like like you said you signed up to stuff even though you knew it wasn't going to work yeah i think a lot of people do that they don't like go into it's like oh this is this is definitely not going to work so here's my money but when they almost think they know it's going to work they don't invest in themselves that makes any sense what i've just said a fool and their money is easily partitioned (laughs) but no i think i think you kind of I suppose I can only speak for myself. You'll sign up for these things because you know they're not going to work because you don't want to address the real problem of how hard it's going to be to get rid of the weight. So you overthink it and you're like, oh my God, I'll just sign up for motivation management. And then that, at least that might help. But I kind of know that the answer is food and exercise, but I'm terrified because I can't even tie my own shoelaces. So how am I meant to walk into a gym? So you're overthinking every single step of the way, which is why... I think I invested so much money into different things. Like there was so many things that I did, but I, I don't know my legally allowed to say things. But like herbal, say it. I've slayed them already, so do it. It's fine. Okay, Herbalife, Lipo Trim. Like I've done all of those, and like I still get those DMs coming in, and I'm like, no, I do not want to try Herbalife because I just want to eat normal food and exercise. Okay, I'm so sorry. I love you very much, but goodbye. And people get kind of kind, kind of aggressive going, well, which our platform you should be promoting these because they'll be able to lose weight but i'm like yeah they can lose weight but will they keep it off will they feel good will they be proud that they're cooking their own meals now and that's my problem with that so i think that with diet culture i think you obviously every diet works but you just need to pull it back to basics a small bit and go well i feel like the biggest change for me is not only weight loss but my hair my skin my eyes my nail growth everything like that is all bonuses to eating proper yeah, I, I unfortunately don't have the hair growth uh, thing, but yeah, well, uh, that's a different story. <laughs> um, we talked about social media. Like, there are massive pros and cons with social media. Like, I wouldn't have a business if there wasn't social media. I wouldn't be able to talk to yourself if there wasn't social media. Like, you talk about kind of working on kind of turning it off and stuff like that. How do you cope with, like, it's amazing. I'd say you getting some incredible messages on the positivity side of stuff. How do you cope with the negative stuff if, if that does come in or are you affected by that at all? You would be affected. Like sometimes this is not an invitation for anybody to send me one. Sometimes <laughs> you're like when you say it, it's like the universe hears you and one appears. Um, like overwhelming 99.9% the messages, like you'll be bawling reading some of them. Like I'm like, oh my God. And I suppose as your platform grows, 
you have more eyes and you probably people are like, well, I don't agree with you, so I'm going to tell you. Um, I cope with them by screenshotting them and sending them to someone I love and someone that knows me. Whether it could be the main person that you get them is Dan Sweeney. Like, I'm like, Dan, what's this? And he's like, right, Trish, this person isn't happy. You know, So I deal with it by knowing that, that like, such cliche, but hurt people, hurt people, etc. But it was actually from listening to Oprah Winfrey, what I, what I, what I know for sure, her audiobook was just a simple line towards the end. How does she deal with that is by knowing that someone has done it to them. So just forgive, move on, and just get over it. Because, you know, you're, you're like, you're going to have people that go, you're changing, you're like one of those influencers now. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just Trisha Lewis and I, I, I'm advertising for LD now. I'm sorry. I love LD. Like, happy days. Let's have the laugh. But it's just by by knowing that these people are sad and they're upset and there's something wrong with them. And, and in the past, I've hurt people as well. So I leave it on. Like, and it's mainly, and I don't know why, it's mainly men. Stop it, like. Really? They're so mean. Yeah, they're so mean. That's weird. That's lads. Yeah. Yeah, it's mainly men that will come through. No, I'm going to put it out there. It's mainly men that will publicly say it, but I think the private, the troll accounts are women, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, I know what you're saying. That, that, that's interesting that it's lads will openly slate, but girls, yeah, I, yeah, I can kind of resonate. Yeah, I know what you're saying. They're kind of like, what are you doing? Why have you a book deal? You're still fat. And I'm like, you're, you're missing the point. I'm happy and I'm getting rid of the weight. But I, I don't care. I just don't justify myself anymore because... For too long, I listen to my own inner thoughts. I'm not listening to somebody else's problems. I'm just like, okay, you either come on board or you go away. And when you were starting out on the kind of the, the Instagram journey, as we'll call this one, uh, how did you kind of like you talking to the story? You're talking to stories all the time. You started out the podcast with Dan. It's an incredible podcast. How did you kind of get over this whole thing of? caring what people think because that is a massive massive thing and I got paralyzed by it probably the last few months stopped doing chatting to stories and chatting to down the camera I get this really really like weird have you ever seen uh, Talladega Nights with Ricky Bobby trying to like touch his face all the time when he's on the camera he gets really really nervous he touches his face I do something stupid with my hands I start going I don't know like jazz hands I click my finger I don't know why when I get nervous just sassy Beyonce <laughs> yeah, uh, by knowing that no one gives a flying shit about you it's terrible but people are just going to come on and they're going to watch and they're going to move on with their day so I stopped overthinking it because I didn't come on stories for ages ages like and then eventually I was like hey and then people were like hey you know so by just by by knowing that you're perfect like there's no point overthinking something as small as an Instagram story like you never watch an Instagram story and go look at that idiot you yeah. know so you're only saying it yourself, you know, so it's about, it's about quenching that anxiety and knowing that if you have any bit of value, you should be on your stories. If you can help somebody, you should be saying it. If you can make someone smile, you should be doing it. So you nearly have a duty to go on your stories. That's, yeah, I really like that. I really, really like that idea. Um, the last question before we talk about the amazing book is one piece of advice for anyone that's looking to start their own journey. Do it. And I know it's a silly advice. It's going to be hard. It's going to be so, you're going to overthink it so much, but it's not as hard as you actually think. It's a lot harder being miserable than it is to actually do a 30 minute workout and control your food. Um, I would say I have a few just stopping upset about it because it's only weight where I'm only going to speak to people. It's only weight or it's only you need to gain weight. It's only a, like a problem that can't be fixed is a big problem. 
but a problem that can be fixed and can be managed is just an inconvenience. So start looking at it as kind of a minor inconvenience and don't look at it as punishment for what you've done in the past. You've only lived your life. So just move on now and this is a new chapter and, and enjoy it because being a transformer is the best thing in the entire world. And there are so many people that message me every single day and they go, right, I'm doing it this way, I'm doing it this way. And that's okay too. It's okay it's okay to be you and don't be ashamed. Like I think people, they associate so much shame with being fat. It's not like someone adores you. And if you didn't turn up in the morning, someone's heart to be broken. So just turn up for them every single day and do it. And don't make no apologies for it. You're on your weight loss journey and that's it. I love, I love that idea of that you are showing up for other people and they will miss you. And I, I really like that sentiment. Um, I have one question came into my head about the scales. Because I think I would. This is not a sexist comment. I hope it doesn't come across as a sexist comment. But females seem to struggle with the scales a lot more than lads. I can't, I don't even know what weight I am. Lads tend not to to step on the scales and seem to don't seem to have. I think it stems from those certain products that we've we've spoken about off air. I don't think they need to be mentioned. That women seem to have a that get hung up on the scales a little bit more. How did you kind of get your head around what that number said? By listening, filling my head with as many podcasts and people who are experts on the subject because it is a terrible love. Now, do I think scales should be thrown away? No, because I think they're a good feedback if you are morbidly obese on how you're going and it's a good tracking mechanism for you to know you're progressing because sometimes it can be so you can be so muddled that you're like, just give me some bit of hope. So I do think the scales is good for that, but do I think that you can become obsessed with it? Yes. You need to just be very careful. If you find yourself jumping on those scales two or three times per day or, or leaving the scales determine how you feel that day. So, so sometimes you feel like you deserve more and you're like, ah, oh, for fuck's sake, I tried so hard. I'm just going to throw the baby out with the bad water. So if you're in that mechanism, dump the scales. Whereas if you get up on the scales, you're going to go, yeah, great, it's only a number. But I would recommend that that if you are morbidly obese, I personally would say, yes, use the scales as accountability because it will move if you are... 27 stone and you're working at it and you're in a calorie deficit but then if you find like me i'm stuck and i'm stuck now on a certain kilo bracket i just i'm like i absolutely i'm getting annoyed with the scales well then that's where a problem is going it's time to step away from the scales and start looking at calorie deficits and seeing what i can do other than scales just remember it's it's a tool it's not it's not the main part of your journey at all it's like the apple in the morning or the boiled egg you wouldn't be getting mad at the boiled egg for not losing weight because it's not the boiled egg's fault. It's, yeah. it's your, you're not in your calorie deficit. So don't be getting too cross at the scales. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, the scales, it, you know, the scales is one of those things that a lot of people do have their, they let it run their emotions. Um, and I was very lucky to have Dr. Amelia Thompson on about, about a year ago, six months ago. And she thought, if it upsets you at all, stay the fuck off it. Um, yeah, be- but like so many people will just step on it and then like I, I was talking to someone someone messaged me on DM was like about the scales and all this kind of stuff and I was kind of like right if you were to step on the scales today and it went up how would you feel and they were like I don't know well then I was like well then I wouldn't step on it and then I got a message back from them saying about two or three days later and they were like well that 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 helped me big time because if I think if I stepped on that I probably would have sabotaged and I think yeah. that's just that creates that vicious, vicious circle that if you've potentially gone up by like a pound, a pound in the grand scheme of things is 
not a lot like if you're down say 10 pounds and you go up a pound you're still down nine yeah and i think people get very confused with how relative it can be with your mess so like you might put up a pound but i might put up five pounds and then i'm going to kick myself more because i'm like well i'm obviously a bigger animal like and you kind of talk negatively but you have to think of our sizes they're totally different and of course i'm going to gain it a little bit quicker or a little bit more but i'll also lose it a bit faster so I would definitely say, now, if you're up a pound and you're freaking out and giving out to scales, you kind of need to cop on a small bit and go, relax a small bit. But if the scales are telling you you're up 17 pounds, you might need to listen and go, right, right, that's a little bit more feedback that I need to know. But definitely not with a pound because I think you need to fill your head with as much knowledge as possible. And when I figured out that losing weight and body fat were totally different, it just made my relationship with the scales so much better. Because um, I was like, right, you're telling me that, I'm going to ask my body fat. You're wrong. I think also for girls, they also like what I encourage all my clients to do is not to compare your week one of your post cycle to week four of your cycle or week of your cycle because the variance, the hormones, the water retention, everything can have a massive impact. And I think what I got a message today from one of my clients and she she had never tracked that side of stuff before. And she was like, this is an absolute game changer. I'm allowed to eat a little bit more my week before and week off how is this right how can i do this i'm like well it's science <laughs> science actually weight is annoyingly simple when you put it down on paper i'm like really it's just that okay <laughs> but like we we overcomplicate everything but like yeah. we always like when people sometimes when they start out in their journey they're like i need to go x y i need to track my macros i need to weigh every single thing it's like no no not a chance Trisha, you have the number one selling book for the last two weeks. Uh-huh. Beat the Bulge and Still Indulge, which includes incredible recipes and your amazing story, which we've touched on. And how did it come about? And you can tell us a little bit more about the book. Okay. So it was actually this time last year, kind of give or take a few days, and I got an email into my phone from Sarah Liddy from Gill Books. And was like, hey, just wondering, just heard you on the Ryan Tuberty show. Has anyone approached you about a book, etc.? I was like, within seconds, I was like, D-d-d-d-d. I was like, yes, yes, just getting back. So I met the lovely Brian Keane about a few days later. Was very nervous. Again, ends came into my head. I was like, sure, I'm nowhere near my journey and etc. And I met him above in Galway, and he was like, just write the fucking book. He was like, write the book. He was like, you're well able to write. You've an engaged audience, and I do believe you have value to give. So it was like three hours of him trying to convince me and then I was like yeah yeah okay I'll write the book so then I met with Gil Publishing and they were like yeah we'll release it in 2021 because you need like two years to write a book and I was like nope I was like if you give me two years I promise hand on my heart I'll write it in the last three months so why don't we try me writing it in this time frame and they were like Trisha you're not going to be able to write a book in that time but go on for the laugh, we'll give you from July to October 31st. So I handed it in in the second week of November. I was like, done. And they were like, that is ridiculous. So I think they were a little bit nervous. So then they read through it and they were like, no, there's not much changes we would do to this. A few grammar corrections here and there. But they were like, that's incredible. And I remember they were like, are you sure you want to put everything in that you put in? And I'm like, yeah, like, because it started off with being a recipe book. And then I was like, but I'd like to put in a little bit of a how-to guide. And then I was like, but I kind of want to say my story and they were like, look, just you write the book and just send it to us. And it was incredible. They changed very little, which I was so proud of. So I went right back to the start of my childhood, of school days, of, of why it went wrong, where it went wrong. So at the start, it's kind of a little bit emotional. And then in the middle, it's a bit hope. And by the end, you're just like, what? 
eat bulge lads you have the recipes because as a chef I want to lose weight but I never want to lose flavour because I think that's a cliche you have with overweight people as well that they love takeaways and they're you know a potato coach a coach potato or whatever like but not at all like it was actually my problem was portion sizes I much prefer pan fried monkfish to like a fillet of fish for sandwich in McDonald's it was portion size was catching me and secret eating so I explained all of that and the biggest feedback I've got is oh my god thank god it's not just me I'm not alone I now understand that it that it's because of my portions I'm like there we go do you know so but it was really embarrassing the sun did an article on me and I explained that and they were like oh explain what you mean I was like oh it's like potato like I might have too many potatoes and the headline was like limerick woman becomes morbidly obese from eating too much potatoes I was like I look like an idiot to anyone outside Ireland they were like what happened to that Irish lady and it was this beautiful picture of these potatoes. I was like, no! Start <laughs> to laugh. Every single friend of mine screenshotted it and sent it into any WhatsApp group. They're like, go on the trish, eat your spuds. I was like, no! <laughs> Jesus, an Irish woman declaring the spuds bad for you. Jesus Christ, it'd be to sound, Trisha. Yeah, but they took they picked it up totally wrong and just made a clickbait. I was like, no! I was just saying that I took these potatoes. And how did you find the actual process of writing the book? Exhausting. I swore I'd never do it again. I was like, no, I'm done. And I remember we had to do the photo shoot on the 1st, 2nd and 3rd of December and I was running Jacobs and it just was so busy with bookings. So I was like going in at 5 in the morning, doing all the dishes and then on the 3rd of December, 1st, 2nd and 3rd and then on the 4th of December, I drove to Galway, did the podcast with Brian and Paul and I remember I was just so exhausted. But I remember the moment I handed the book in, I was like, I wonder what chapter would I do on book two? It was exhausting but so rewarding once I seen it on paper because I just found it daunting. It was just all Word documents and I had to send them in and, and then the PDF came through and I was like, oh my God, my baby. I was like, look at it, there it is. And it was really cool because in the book there's two shots where I'm like eating a, a chicken skewer and then it's just me standing on a street in a, an apron. They weren't meant to go into the book. So if you see me in the denim apron, look at my face. I'm fucked. I'm so tired. But it was just, they were like, we love how naturally it is. But it was just... It was the hardest, but such a rewarding task. I like writing, so the writing part was easy. But it was the part of kind of going back and trying to figure out where I would put things I found very difficult. But I loved every moment of it, but also hated it, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. That seems to be, because I spoke to a few other people who have had books out, and that they seem to be like it's the most tiring thing in the world. It overtakes your life. Because you have to be so regimented saying, I'm going to do X a day. Yeah. And then you're like, you can't turn your brain off for the rest of the day. Why am I, why have I said it this way? Should I say it this way? So, yeah. Trisha, I cannot thank you enough for what you're tr- doing to the industry. Um, I cannot thank you enough for being so honest, for being you, which I think is a unique thing, and being so open. And I wish you the very, very best of luck with the Trisha and Dan show, with your the, the amazing book. You don't need me to plug this. This book is plugging itself by the looks of it. So thank you so much for everything, Trisha. You've been an absolute star. And guys, if you've enjoyed this episode at all, please do tag Trisha and I up on your story. Um, The honesty and please just pop us a message because Trisha is doing an amazing thing for people out there. And I cannot thank you enough for doing that. Thank you. Beat the balls! (laughs) 